Joining us on the Harbor One Hotline is Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Patriots Insider. Tom E. is brought to us by Dr. Matthew LaPresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR, and by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Tommy Curran on the Harbor One Hotline. Tom, good afternoon. We could do crunchy, salty, and cheesy right now. Ooh, let's oh. go. Fourier's in all three. I'm in, I'm in for you being. I want this whole interview for you to be just flat out cheesy. Just be as cheesy as you can be with every single <laughs> oh, answer. God. Okay, try. Let's just see if you can do it. I don't think. I don't know. You know I, I I have inborn onboard cheesiness at all times. Yeah. So okay. Bring. We're not collaborative enough to determine oh. who's doing what now, for crying out loud. Uh, Tommy, help us understand. Fourier and I have landed on just calling it Offense X for right now, like it's a project. Do you have any idea, intel, or clue as to what kind of offense Gerard Mayo wants to have other than a successful one? I think we're all ruminating on that right now. And what I've landed on is, to borrow a Bill Parcells phrase, you don't know what the groceries are that are going to be laid out on the table. So you don't even know what kind of meal you're going to cook. So if you have Drake May or Jaden Daniels or Kirk Cousins or Caleb Williams, it's going to be a different meal. You don't know because you don't have any tight ends under contract or tackles under contract and you have one running back under contract and you have no high-end wide receiver and you really don't have any proven guards, you're down to the studs. So what you have to figure out in large part is who are our players and then have an adaptable enough offensive coordinator to make whether it is Daniels or May or a free agent quarterback who comes in because you decided to take Marvin Harrison, you have to find out what meal it's going to be then. And you have to have a, an, an OC who is adaptable enough and gives you a vision that says, I can make this work and this work and this work. So, um, you know, one thing I've been, uh, that I, I think I'm a little nervous and I'm worried for Mayo. And I'll tell you mm -hmm. why. Because, uh, I mean, and you know him better than anybody. And his personality is great, right? And you're starting to see it, and it's shining. Even like the interview yesterday with uh, with Greg Hill and, and the crew. And then he starts, in, and then he quotes like, you know, uh, you know, and we got cash to spend. We're going to spend some cash and burn some cash. If you read it, it sounds, it reads one way. But if you hear it, you know he's kind of being playful and joking around. I, I have this feeling that people are going to hold him accountable for that quote and kind of maybe misrepresent what he meant or, or hold him accountable if he doesn't spend the cash or if he doesn't get the right guys. I'm just curious your thoughts on the whole experience so far. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a learning curve that he is going to have to conquer in terms of, all right, what are the phrases that I might use as add-ons to a point I'm making or even add-on jokingly that could turn into slogans? Yeah. Burn some cash. Full throttle. It's like to use yeah. it to, to kind of compare it to the Red Sox. Well done. Dom, like, hey, full throttle. Well, I didn't really. I'm going to push the buttons and pull the levers. Hey, spend some cash. Burn some cash. People think differently yeah, when they hear that. 
Yeah, and you're going to have to look with any person in a new job who is going from being a very glib player or media personality or person who sits in a Zoom meeting um, and doesn't necessarily have their words parsed in the same way, he's going to have to learn that. And I don't think it was a misstep to say that because they do have to burn some cash. Maybe the choice of words sounds reckless, but nothing's more reckless than spending $60 million combined on Nelson Aguilar, Isaiah Wynn, and Jonu Smith. $60 million on those Mm. three players. Mm. So they do have to spend. (laughs) Hopefully it's less reckless than that. But it's also worth remembering, too, pre-bill, and there's a constant conversation here about where the economic stinginess came from, and it's often attributed to the crafts. Pre-bill, the Patriots had massive contracts to Bledsoe, Armstrong, Coates, McGinnis, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Ted Johnson. They spent. Bill was the one who tightened the strings. Now, when Bill spent, he didn't always spend it in the most judicious ways, especially 2021 being an example, which is why there might be a bit of a change that we're experiencing, which is why there is a change. You know, the guys that he shopped on and spent on didn't work out as he hoped. So they're going to spend, they have to spend, and I think that they will be absolutely willing to spend because they are down to the studs on offense. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston here with Gresham Fourier. How are they putting all this together with no GM? Collaboration. Oh, yeah. here we go. So that's the. Why do you say here we go? Well, because uh, we we even adapted the uh, what was it? Mel Gibson, give me back my son. To <laughs> give me back my organization, because it feels like it's almost like a uh, an order of the. By God, we are doing it different, and we're going to let everybody know. And without a general manager. It leads me to wonder just how much a first-time head coach might be more than willing to listen to Thunder or whomever else is in that role, potentially, in the collaborative efforts of everyone down there. Do you envision an instance in which Robert Kraft is sitting in on an offensive coordinator interview, for instance, which I don't think would be the case by any stretch they no. could be wolf grow and mayo and say well what's your vision for you know narrow split offense like the rams use do you, do you envision that no what i envision is robert Kraft being brought the two finalists and then uh that's where maybe he gets his input because that's the way the coaching searches go My worry is that they're all in the draft room. No one has been given the ultimate power, which means it still lies in the hands of the owners. And if there is a disagreement on number three or a trade or whatever, that's where we end up getting it. An owner vetting a coach when the coaches have vetted them and then he's bringing them to his boss makes sense. What doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense is having a spot where – there is the buck stopping on big decisions. And when there isn't anyone in there and there is the feel for some that by God, I'm grabbing back the organization because Bill had it for a while. It allows your mind to run. Yeah. 
and there's a lot of time to fill. That's why I asked Robert Kraft last week at the very end of the press conference, what's your intention on your involvement in the football? And I don't know if it got less attention because of the timing, but he specifically answered the question in saying, I'm hiring football people and delegating the football to the football people as we always have. If the results aren't there, then we'll need to make a change. So to me, he kind of addressed it. I cannot possibly envision a point at which they're sitting there saying Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels, and they say, Robert, your call. I, I just can't. Well, hold on. If it, but, overriding if, but if it's collaborative, which has been the big word, how do you then leave out the two most important people in making what could be a franchise-changing decision? Easy. You say, you know what? It's my funeral. I'm taking this guy. Sorry. You hired me to do the job. I'm doing the job. That's how. That's how you do it. That's how Christian would do it. That's how all the listeners right now would do it. May, may I ask a follow-up? Who would be the Absolutely. one? No, no. Who would be the one saying that, considering no one has been told it is their job to make that decision? It has to be Mayo. It has to be Mayo. You have to take, but as you're, as, as the point man, as the point of the spear, as it seems to be right now, in lieu of Elliot Wolf or Matt Groh being the one who was the point of the spear, you're going to sit there as you, me, and Christian would, or again, any of the listeners with two other people would, and say, look, we just spent five months on this. What are we doing? We, we, we understand what we know, so we know now. So let's do this. So you, you cannot... It's not like, I mean, again, we're anticipating or doomsaying this is the scenario where this is going to happen unexpectedly at number three. If you don't know whether to poop or go blind at number three by April 25th, you're all in the wrong business. Yeah, and I'm with you. And I do think whether it's written down, said, or unsaid, the leader of this franchise right now, other than the ownership, is Mayo. So the buck will stop with him. That's that's what I believe. Um, moving forward, though, I am curious. Um, um, do you foresee uh, any other staff members leaving? Do you see, uh, you know, uh, like a guy, uh, Mac Jones leaving? Like, what's your view on the sure. the the guys that are still left in the building? Yeah, for instance, Steve Belichick could be a defensive coordinator candidate. I wonder if Steve said, I'd like to be defensive coordinator and stay here, Gerard. Whatever Bill does, uh, I'm going to stay here. Um, would he immediately become the defensive coordinator? Or is it DeMarcus Covington? Because you know, no formal interview with Steve has been mentioned. I think that that is a question, along with Brian Belichick, that needs to be figured out, too. And Bill's situation hangs in the balance as well. So you know, you need to figure out, and he needs to figure out, where does Bill land? Do I want to go there? Do I want to stay here? And he's a candidate to be the defensive coordinator because between he and Mayo, it's been a good friggin' defense. So that's a question that hangs. Mac Jones, I think that that would be more of a draft time decision that you have to make. You have a free agent period that leads into the draft. Who do you get as a quarterback then? Because you better get one between March and April and figure out, is this a clipboard holder, a bridge guy? or a conceivable starter. And then you have, at draft night, say you take Drake May. 
as Mel Kuyper has at number three, the Patriots taking in his first mock draft. Okay, we're going to move Mac Jones now. We appreciated his efforts. We liked that he worked hard. Didn't work out. Somebody else want him? Sixth? Fifth? Seventh? Anybody? <laughs> so to me, that's that's the most likely scenario. But again, I mean, do you want Mac Jones in the building still with a no. top three rookie, no. a veteran quarterback, and Bailey Zappi, and be four deep? Or do you want to give him an opportunity to restart? I think that he's ready for a change, but willing to stay. But there's a lot of uncertainty on him, and there's a lot of water under the bridge already with his career here in New England. Yeah, it kind of feels like if Mac is on the roster, I know it's not a ton of money, but still it's a couple million bucks, that if if you if you had him, you almost wouldn't have a veteran there. You know what I mean? Like It's almost like you're either making the choice, he's the veteran, or you're moving on from him, and it sure as hell seems like it's the latter. Because the way I have definitely been interpreting, especially the the Gerard Mayo comment to Steve Burton, they're kind of leading us to the quarterback lake to drink out of. Do you necessarily yeah. see it that way? Yeah, definitely. Most important position on the field, most important position in some ways in professional sports, and you don't have an answer for it. And you're in the position to almost practically have the pick of the litter, and you might not be up there again. It feels like it's the most important position and where they would lean. And here's the interesting thing. Say you bring in Jacoby Brissett. Was Jacoby Brissett definitely better in 2021 and 2022 than Mac Jones? You run a risk, if Mac Jones is there, of him having a better summer than Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, that's the odd thing about him. You've seen him play at a fairly high level, even though I think a lot of people have blocked it out, which I understand. The more recent past is littered with mind-numbing interceptions. But there have been occasions when he's looked really friggin' good on the practice field and on the game field. So you run the risk of having a third quarterback who's better than your other two every time you go out to practice. Which, in theory, is what you want. But in practicality... It's wrought with complexions, as Tommy just laid out. It's fascinating, too, because it is an asset, a low-cost asset. But there's so much attached to him now as being the millstone that dragged down the greatest coach of all time in many people's views. Is there any way way for for that... To be fixed. I'm curious, like if you were to like to go to like a PR specialist. So okay, so not here. And under any circumstances, you're not fixing his image or his reputation here. No. I don't think he can. Yeah. Just like there are people who he throws he he throws say he throws six touchdowns and then throws a pick. And, you know, at the end of a game, people same guy. I've never liked him. I didn't like him to begin with. He's weak armed. And I don't like his face when he gets hurt. Get him out. <laughs> that's that's that was my line. I, I can't I can't stand his face. Wait until those lines start getting used for people that guys like. Uh, you know what I mean? It's the it's the way to dig in on Mac. Tommy, thanks, man. Good chat. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. That was fun. Take care, guys. Uh, there right. we go. There goes uh, Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston.